Walter and welcome to the Talking Blarney podcast, where we wade through the Blarney to teach you about the real Ireland. My name is Stuart McNamara and I'm here with my co-host, who's the scariest man in Ireland, Goulbert Cross. Goulbert, I love it. <laughs> Hi guys, uh, Rob here. How's it going today, Rob? Not too bad, Stu. We're recording remotely again. Um, we, we did, I think there was a few slight issues last week with maybe my audio to some people. Um, hopefully this week it should be fine. We, 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 we were, there was some tinkering with the settings and it should be perfect, I hope. Yeah, we're both in Ireland with uh, not the best internet connections in the world. Uh, so <laughs> we're doing our best. Yeah, no, it, it's it's like grand. in per- Like we have a, a lovely new setup when we do record this in person. And it's got like two proper mic stands and two nice mics and a, a lovely mixer. And that happened the week we locked down again and you're not allowed to have any household visitors. So expect us to be back in person again in about five weeks. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed anyway. <laughs> so this week... Uh, I decided we'd do something that I've been kind of saying on the podcast for quite some time, and that is a bit of the Irish language, because every week I introduce uh, us to the show by saying Falcha, which is the Irish for welcome, but uh, I never actually said that at any point, and so people might have been confused for the past 17 or so podcasts, not knowing what I, I thought, was talking about. I thought we were just sponsored by Falcha Ireland, you know, the, the tourist board. If we were sponsored, Rob, we'd have way better equipment and faster internet, so uh, unfortunately not. Hey, not with that attitude, Stu. You know, we're, open to, we're open. We're open to sponsorship, particularly from breweries, because you know that's that's real Ireland right there. I mean, the real goal of the podcast is to do them all drunk, which uh, hopefully we'll do one at some point. <laughs> how, how 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 about this? Right, this is our sponsorship deal. You can either give us a crock of gold or a crock of shite. I'll take my chances. Um, you do whatever you want, Rob. I'm going to stick to uh, money or whiskey. Okay, but we, we we will accept payment in gold. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I'm not going to check what it is on the stock market at the moment, Stu, but I'm, I'm going to take a chance. You do that. Anyway, <laughs> as I said, Falche, the thing that I say at the start of every episode, is the Irish word for welcome. Irish is uh, uh, health as well. Yeah. Well, that's the, so it's, it's like, it's kind of the like, good health. You, you, you might, you know. Sorry, yeah, that's, that's the... Sorry, that's Slauncha. I was thinking, oh, damn it. I, my, Jesus, my Irish isn't crazy. That's quite Damn it, Rob. I was hoping you'd be better at this than I am, but okay. That's kind of the, I, I, the trick with Irish is that there are multiple phrases that mean ba- practically the same thing, but are spe- are different. Yeah, I, I think like it's, we, we said this before, like, so for, the most important thing is we, we refer to the Irish language in English as just, we would just say Irish normally. The correct name for it is uh, Gaeilge, which is the name in Irish or Asgaeilge in Irish is what it is in the language. We never call it Gaelic. Or Gaelic. As I said, there are a lot of Irish words that mean the same thing. Uh, do you have any other words that would be welcome or hello? Well, we this is kind of an interesting thing about Irish. We don't actually have words for a couple of things. Like we don't have like one word for hello or goodbye uh, or, or yes or no. Um, we can use words in their place, but we don't. I mean, like this is false yet. Like that's what we'd say for for welcome. But uh, there's other kind of greetings uh, and things you do, like, you know, Bahagasláinte, uh, which means, like, you know, good health to you is kind of another greeting. Or you meet someone, you, you would say, you know, Diagwith, and their response would be Diasmorgwith, which is yeah, I love our, that one. greeting. And Irish, like, Diagwith yeah. just means God be with you, and Diasmorgwith is God and Mary be with you. So it's how you, how you greet someone in Irish, generally. Or yeah, but, if you're in uh, Donegal. But Rob, the great thing about Diagwith is that it's basically a challenge where if there's more than two people, doesn't it have to keep going? I don't 
Carl, I, it, it's, it's, I think it I, I do it. remember that, isn't it? Like, <laughs> so I would say Diagwit, you say Dias Muragwit, then the, like someone else, if there's a third person, might say Dias Muragwit, Joseph Agwit, and it just kind of, it Joseph, keeps, yeah. it just keeps going on where you're supposed to add another person after. It's, it, it's something that, like, I know my father would, would have said that in English quite, quite a lot, and it, it um, kind of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph be with you kind of a thing if it was greeting a group of people. But uh, yeah, so like we use that, and the same with like we don't really have a yes or a no. We use like Ta and Neil as yes and no, but they or don't chat. really mean that. Or Sha, well, Sha is actually an abbreviation of at you say, meaning it is, and Ta in context is like it's the present tense for. Um, yeah, so so Sha is basically cheese, which we use a lot anyway. It is, yeah. It's a, it, it's not, it's only like proper as well. We might be radically correct and all that, but if you meet like Irish speakers in the in the Gael talks in Irish speaking area, which we have discussed before in this podcast, often they'll use a bit of English. Like no one is going to give out to you for speaking English in an Irish speaking area. I mean, if you're making an effort to speak in Irish, that's grand. I mean, it, it's it's really appreciated, but don't feel embarrassed about um, yeah, not not the, not being not being able to speak it. It's completely fine. I mean, Everyone's the trouble with that is the trouble with that is that the Irish language while it's simple in a way the the way things are pronounced is quite difficult for people who haven't been trained or taught in it yeah it, it, it's an interesting kind of thing like I, I think the main example you, you see is um we said as well our prime minister is in, even in English is, is the title given them is that Taoiseach which means like chieftain or leader in Irish but it, it's it is the is the version used in both the English and Irish language we it, it's not correct to refer to him as prime minister um and it's when you see particularly at the English channel some of the American channels just try to say Taoiseach because it, it, it can be quite because I'll say the Irish uh, PM or like uh, prime minister Leo Varadka it's like oh, the Taoiseach but it, it, it is a bit of a tricky word to pronounce all right I would say yeah, like, you, like I think of like t- cup of tea, and then shock. Like oh, I just got shocked by that tea shock. Is close enough. Yeah, but you get things like uh, a lot of names, especially in Irish, that uh, are just pronounced odd when you see them spelt out. Well, I think the, we might have reason, discussed names at one point, did we? We did a little bit, yeah. But I think just to kind of go back over it. So, firstly, Irish is a, a very a, a very old language as well, and I suppose it, it hasn't actually changed in a kind of grammatical or spoken way in a certain sense for a very very long time like when we were in in school like we did um like some poems and stuff like from like middle irish or this would have been quite a quite a while back and it's the spelling is a bit different I'll, i'll talk about the spelling reform and things like that in a moment but if you once did you actually read it out it was like oh yeah well, i can understand that it, it, it actually hasn't changed the sounds and kind of meanings of the words haven't changed as much sometimes new words come in there but we can still understand go, going back a couple of hundreds of years and stuff like that you can kind of contrast that with like reading shakespeare which is even then is can be a little bit difficult but if you would compare that to being able to understand middle english you, you wouldn't be able to at all because there was such a great vowel shift the, the language kind of in, in one sense hasn't changed a lot um over, over the years too it's it's still the older texts are still understandable the, the main kind of issue about it is actually spelling so i, I was we'll talk a little bit about how the irish language has progressed today uh we said before in the the show about the the gael talks the irish speaking areas in this country now there's three main ones. There's the uh, one down in Kerry. Um, you've got Connemara up around Galloway, and then you've got uh, Donegal. Now, there are other areas as well. There's uh, like on the ring down in Cork, and there's a small area in Waterford. There's also a... And effectively, the three main Gwiltucks have their, their own dialects of Irish. So you've guys got Munster Irish, um, Connemara Irish, and uh, Donegal Irish. 
which would have different accents and different words and things like that. Um, Munster Irish is what we learned in school and the standard dialect, which is kind of like the the one the kind of government went with when they were teaching people Irish in, in schools once we became an independent country is mostly kind of based on Munster Irish is kind of the the kind of default one. Yeah, isn't it that weird thing? Yeah, it's that weird thing where even though we're such a small place, there is such a, a massive change just going down the road and uh you don't really get a taste of it until you do the the junior set leaving search the the recorded sections and then you yeah, hear things have- like like isn't it um you know, we'd say Connacetatu. How are you? But yeah. then I can't remember King, where it, it's a uh, King Queen of Will to in Connemara, and then Gadivertashiv, I think, in Donegal. Yeah, so it just it changes completely, and even like the, like hearing that the accent, the way they speak, it just makes it almost impossible. Like there's, isn't there like whatever it is, the three or four sections, and each one has a different uh way of speaking irish and there's just one section that's a complete write-off because no one can understand what they're saying when when we did when you study irish in school over here like you you have to do it for 14 years you do it the whole way through primary school uh like elementary school and like kindergarten i guess and then you go on to your secondary school which would be like junior high high school whatever like before you go to college and you're, you're learning it the entire way through unless you get an exemption which are quite difficult to get it even if you're like from another country if you like learn it from a certain point you have to do it so you you, you do like you say the tape exams or like it's recorded and you listen to like uh, people talking about like oh my name is johnny and i live here and this is about my parents it's the same way like we did it like i know you did italian stew and i did german we did kind of the same thing with that uh when you're learning the language to hear people speak it the difference is in irish they do it in the three dialects so you'd always have uh, three sections in an examination like that um the first one like it's only like munster irish connemara and donegal and it was the donegal one in particular is quite difficult because it's the most different i think dialect of irish that still exists and combine that with a donegal accent which is like hey neighbor and kay it, it, you know kind of that wasn't a good Donegal accent, but it's like, oh, good ever thought you on. Yeah, we all it's like it is quite difficult with the accent plus the the quite 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 a different level of grammar and everything else. So yeah, like the way they use it is just there. completely different. One thing I, I did want to jump back to, uh, you mentioned earlier that Irish hasn't changed that much in quite a long time. And I suppose you could really say that that's down to it being made illegal in Ireland for such a long time. Yeah, it was really discouraged initially and then banned by the English and later British um, when they kind of... Yeah, so it just like this country. it didn't have a chance to evolve the way other languages did because it was like, it was taught in, in like secret back rooms and out in the fucking forests and stuff. And it was just like, this is how it, how you speak it. This is how you write it. This is it. Just exactly the same so there was no natural evolution that ha- happens with other languages like shakespearean english exactly and it, 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 it it's a fair point that it was illegal to speak it it was illegal to have your name in the irish form i mean there's been there were plenty of cases even in when we were fighting for our independence like we're talking about the early 1900s not too long before that did happen um people you, you couldn't have your name in irish outside some shops and and, and things like that there's um donovuakla who ironically became our, our last governor general who was involved in the republican movement he his name is like donald buckley in english but he only used the irish name he got like fined and had his cart seized because he had like donald buckley written on it for like groceries and things like that and you know it, it was just really tr- them trying to, to just have us speak english and not be 
Catholic and destroy our culture. And the, the, the kind of sad thing about it is it, it did have an impact in that, you know, we are doing this podcast in English, for example, we do speak English. Yeah, it is our first language. First language. It, it is, but there's, there, there's been an, a, a really important revival in speaking Irish. I think particularly with people our own ages there. Um, I, I'd give a shout out to Una Min, um, Kavanagh on Twitter. She is a, an Irish person. I think she's slightly older than us, maybe about thirty. But she does a lot of stuff, Oscar in Irish. Um, including she went like an Irish rap the other day, and she does like a lot of things about that. And there, I, there's a growing amount of people. Like even I do uh, poetry, and I, I met plenty of people at poetry readings. And there's a, a growing movement among people like uh, really kind of starting off in college right now to do more poetry in Irish and perform in that. And it's 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 a wonderful thing to see that it's it is being spearheaded by the younger generation and I'm, I'm working on it myself. I think as you saw earlier, I'm not a, not a, not a fluent speaker of Irish by any means, but I am working on it to try and get to that because I think it's important to, um, you know, it's an important part of our, our culture and our heritage yeah. to, to have a language like that, because I think it's the last thing we have. Like we're not a crazy Catholic country anymore. We're not like rabid Republicans fighting the English most of the time, but it's like the last kind of, thing that we have that makes us different and i think it, it's important to keep it definitely uh, i think if if people are interested in in kind of hearing a bit of actual irish spoken by people better than us one of the the fondest kind of videos to watch and i'm sure it's up on youtube is uh you ming is anam dumb yes that's brilliant so uh <laughs> it's a, a video i think it was like a, a school project or something probably in college i and, think it uh, was yeah and it's a, a an asian person uh living in He's i think Chinese. dublin yeah and uh, he was it. He like hits his head, or something magical happens. I can't remember exactly. No, no, no. And it wasn't. It wasn't that at all. No, that you're thinking something else. It's uh, this. Is, oh this no, is yeah. A... There is another video that they used to show. No, he he just finds himself in a quail tuck. Is it? No, that you mean as Adam Dumb is that he, it's um a Chinese chap, and he, I think he's in Hong Kong. They're not 100 percent sure. And he like he gets really interested in Irish, and he sees that it's the national language is Irish. So he goes and learns Irish. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Dublin, now I'm remembering, yeah. And then he can't, and then he's trying to, and then no, and then he meets. I think it's Brendan. Yeah, it's Frank Kelly. No, it's Frank Kelly. It's Frank it? Kelly. Sorry, it's Frank Kelly. Yeah, and then like he's the only person that the great father Jack Irish, and then like he gets him a job in like College Ireland or something like that. Um, which is great. I, I I love that. It's a fantastic film. Um, but uh, there's a couple of films in Irish. Actually, there's Kings as well. Came out a couple of years back. I think it was nominated for an Oscar. It's got Brendan Gleeson in it, and I think a few other people. But it's about a bunch of Irish Americans that like emigrated to New York. I think in the 1960s, and then coming back and stuff. And it's a lot. A lot of it is actually in Irish because they were from a Gaeltacht. Fantastic, fantastic film. Um, I'll shout out another film as well. I, I know I've mentioned this to Stu. I don't think he let me do this on the podcast, but it's called Eraville. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I remember. It's a short uh, film noir detective uh, thing set in a dystopian uh, Ireland in like the future, and it's it's entirely in Irish, and I love it. It's a fantastic little short film. It's only about twenty five minutes long. It's Eraville, uh, all one word, and it's just fantastic. We'll, we'll put this in the show notes if that's possible, but uh, w- would recommend. But there's there's plenty of things out there about um, speaking Irish. We have a TG Cahar, a T- TV4 in this country, if you will, Telefish na Gaeltachta, which is uh, an Irish language uh, TV channel. I think we've talked about it a little bit before. Yeah, I mean, we have it's, that. It's, it's free to air. It's a, a very interesting one, having a reruns of SpongeBob in Irish and other kids' TV shows and... Rasnaroon, 
and then the the westerns on a, a Friday night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but there's it it's it, it's kind of an interesting show. Like they had they we do redub some cartoons. I used to watch the Power Rangers and that Oscuelga when I was younger as well because they they had the episodes of the Power, new Power Rangers before like the English oh, shows did. You mean the Mystic Knights of Tiernan Oak? We're doing that another day, Stu. I guess <laughs> we'll have to watch um, all sixty odd episodes. But it, it, it's it's a wonderful little thing. They have like Rasnaroon as well, which is an Irish language kind of soap opera, like our Emmerdale or you know EastEnders, or I I can't think of any American soap operas like like Dynasty or Dallas, I guess, but in, in a rural village in Ireland. Uh, Stephen Fry was even in an episode. Like he oh. he, he can actually speak Irish, um, which which is quite nice. There's a it's a it's a it's a nice little nice little language I think, and it, it's a nice part of our culture. But there's there's a lot there. Um, yeah, uh, I wish we could. I wish we could speak it better, but um, I'll I'll try and think of something. And I yeah, it's unfortunate. Say. We we can't finish up without talking about a couple of the most uh, known and famous phrases in Irish. Probably the, the, the truth. <laughs> well, I'm talking about more ones that. Uh, well, first off, one that uh, the wider world might know being Pogue Mahone. It's my ass. Yeah, which is uh, a common one you see on T-shirts and uh, sometimes tattoos for some reason, which is a bit weird. But look, whatever you're mm-hmm. into. Um, the one that every Irish person knows from the day that they first go to school uh, until the day they die is, of course, on Will Ciaragum Dolgri and Leheris. No, she the holiday of Thor. Oh, well, well <laughs> we weren't well, all Mr. so polite. Well, Steve, we should, we we should explain we first before we continue this. So that means, can I go to the bathroom? And then Rob added, please, teacher. Yeah, because we were told that if you don't say it fully, you're not going to the bathroom and you're going to wee yourself. And then one class, yeah. had, and the, the class actually did that. Yeah, so it was, a, it was a thing in primary school where you always had to ask in Irish. It was the only thing that was ever drilled into our heads uh, that will never leave us. It's the, it's, it's the strongest like, bit of Irish that's in there. If you ask any Irish person to speak Irish to you, like nine times out of ten, that is the first thing they're going to say to you. There's even like an ad about that, you know, the... The fo- like because we use sometimes we use Irish or like broken Irish like talk when we're abroad because we don't want people to think we're English or we just don't want people to understand what we're saying. If, if it's generally like if we're in like a slightly dicey or dodgy situation, it might be like, yes, do like Catahorla, you know, what else we know, yeah, you know, what's going on here? Like, no, the ad I was going to mention though, I believe is for uh Carlsberg, not a sponsor, but uh, they had one of the best ads which lampooned and brought attention to the Irish language in that I think it was an Irish lad in a bar. And uh, there's loads of people around. They're all like interested in him because he's from Ireland, and uh, they're all asking him to speak some Irish. So I believe the phrase that he says is "Cunis Boher Colleen Banya," which uh, I would like to translate. Uh, Cunis is quiet, Boher is road, Colleen is girl, and Banya is milk. Yeah. So basically, he's just uh, throwing out a couple of very basic phrases that he probably remembers from his time in school that mean nothing. But obviously, everyone's like buying him drinks, and, and they love it because he's just said something in irish so it's a it's quite a funny ad in that for us because a lot of us have very little idea of irish but we can all identify those four tiny words yeah it, 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 it's just kind of it's just enough that you'd understand any irish person would understand it in a very limited irish but uh it, it's quite good and there's like i mean like i kind of said if you're greeting somebody say dia with the reply is dia smarag with if you're just saying someone if you say we don't have really a word for goodbye the common one is like slán or slán of Valley. yeah Slán Valley literally means uh, have a safe journey home, safe home, literally in Slán is just kind of shortened version of that, but it's you can use that. Um, you does it like Slánche, which is kind of means good health. If you're like toasting with a Guinness, there's there's a couple of um, different different versions. Like, you know, Slánche would be like our, our cheers or, you know, 
bottoms up campai um prost in germany yeah. that kind of thing and uh, one that slipped my mind there i was trying to remember it is uh cade meal of which is a hundred thousand welcomes because i know yeah. ireland is often uh called the, the land of a hundred thousand welcomes it, it's a it's a very common thing to say like you'd see it on like a load of things when you're like landing at an airport i'm pretty sure the first thing you see in shannon airport is like you know me at a false yeah or whatever it is but I, I suppose that's kind of it i mean um if i could think of something longer to say in irish i would but i'm, I'm really struggling here because I, I don't speak it on anywhere near a daily basis um yeah i mean look like we, we might uh do a bit of a longer episode on Irish once we uh, have some time to to research and refresh our memories on we the, do, the language we, we of our do, forefathers. We do have like no people that do speak quite good Irish. Like we we know like a couple of people for who would speak Irish as their first language or went to like Irish speaking schools. So we sure like I'd, I'd love to like try and do an episode in talking about that a bit more. Maybe like do an Irish language film and we like try to review parts of it in Irish and then translate it. But maybe that yeah, too much. So. Might be a bit of a mess, but we could always give it a go. So uh, I think we'll leave that for there and jump into the meat and potatoes Ach, of today's uh, episode. Ach, uh, quid, quid a yo and and uh, scan on only lane scan on. Um, sure. <laughs> I, I know you said film there, Rob, but we're not doing a movie this I, week. <laughs> you do remember you didn't watch a movie this week, right? I don't watch movies a lot of the weeks, so I just kind of make it up as I go along and hope <laughs> I've noticed. So, uh, so <laughs> then so what happens to Rawhead Rex? Why don't you start, Stu? And I'll just thought, yeah, it was, a, <laughs> uh, it was definitely a monster, wasn't it? And, and it was in Ireland, and then there was a priest there. He definitely had a head there, and uh, he was very Tyrannosaurus like, wasn't he? It's like, Stu, I actually just watched an episode of Raw, and I, I just figured, <laughs> I just, I don't, I, I'm just going to substitute like Rawhead Rex for Bronze Roman, and I hope it'll work. Uh, you could try, but I don't think it'll go so well. So, this week, anyway, uh, I'm going to kind of take us through a little bit of the, the history of Halloween and uh, go through some of that. So first off, there are many names for Halloween, All Hallows' Eve and All Saints, Saints Eve uh, are some of them. But uh, the most important one in our eyes, anyway, is Samhain. Uh, or if you're a filmmaker in the States, you might say Sam Hain. Because... Um, the, Ir- the Irish for it is Iahauna, uh, which is like Halloween night is what we'd say. He is yeah, night. Yeah, and uh, I just... Making reference there, there are a number of Halloween-themed movies uh, that came out of Hollywood that use Samhain for some reason, and uh, I love it. It's hilarious. It's like uh, it's something that we we probably should have mentioned. We mentioned it a little bit, I think, when we were talking about Irish names. It's like um, Irish uses. We have our own spelling system, kind of. We we don't actually use the full amount of al- uh, letters in the English alphabet. We only use eighteen of them, if I remember correctly. Out of the twenty-six, um, we only use like K and like. W and like Z for like loan words and things like that. Yeah. So we use different combinations of letters to represent certain sounds. Like if you want a, a V sound, like a V sound in Irish, you use like a BH or you can use an MH in certain circumstances as well. So, and then some letters are silent. Um, we did like a spelling reform in the 1960s where we kind of got rid of a lot of extra silent letters. Um, originally, it was the silent letters were in there to kind of, you wouldn't pronounce them, but they, they were in regards to the vowel sounds preceding them, I think is what it was. Um, you can see this in like the Irish name Maeve is a good example, how the old spelling is like, Jesus, M-E-A-D-H-B-H. And you think, yeah. how does that pronounce as Maeve? But like the modern, kind of more anglicized version is like M-A-E-V-E, Maeve, that way. So Yeah, so in this sense, we have Samhain, which is spelt S-A-M-H-A-I-N. And there may be a fat over the I, I'm not sure. It's kind of an accent 
I don't think there is, yeah, but it's like sa- sa- when you're it's kind of doing a, a wah sound. The MH yeah, is more of a W. Yeah, it's it, that kind of thing, but it's like MH can be a V sound or it can be silent sometimes as well. It's really, yeah. <laughs> maybe our language is harder than we thought to do to, 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 to explain. Yeah, it's, it's hard to explain <laughs> without, without like showing slides and stuff. Uh, so anyway. Now if, you look at, now, if you look at this one. Uh, could we... <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, we'll have a YouTube video at some point. Uh, so uh, we all know the current Halloween, dressing up in costumes and trick-or-treating to get sweets and the odd apple thrown in. Uh, from a neighbor, but the origins of Halloween go back to over 2,000 years ago. Uh, many cultures across the world celebrate some kind of uh, day to commemorate the dead, like Dia de los Muertos, um, and each one having its own rituals and practices for paying tribute to the spirits of passed on family and friends. But Halloween specifically can be shown to come from one very specific place and culture, and surprisingly for this podcast, it's Ireland and the Celts. Who would have thought it? I know. I mean, why aren't we doing Dia de los Muertos? I mean, we celebrate that here too, right? <laughs> well, it'll be the fucking darny podcast. I don't know. If you think my Irish is bad, wait to hear my Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Samhain is one of the big four uh, festivals celebrated by the Celts. Uh, Imbolc is uh, the first one, which is the 1st of February, and it marked the beginning of spring. Then we had Bialtina, which is the 1st of May, and was the midpoint between the spring equinox and the summer solstice. And then Lunasa, which we've spoken about before, uh, was the 1st of August and was the beginning of the harvest season. So then Samhain takes place on the night of, no, of October 31st and goes until sunrise the following morning. So this is actually due to the Celtic belief that the day starts and ends at sunset, which is a little yep. weird, but it's like they, they wanted, like they thought that it was like, you had the dark and then it went into the light. And then once it was dark again, that was the next day, which is odd. Uh, but that's how they did it. Um, so some historians actually believe that November 1st was the Celtic New Year. So it was basically their, their New Year's uh, Eve sesh at the same time. That's kind of disputed, but it makes sense if they thought that a day started when the sun set, that it was like uh, November was like coming into winter. So like the darkest times of the year and then like the end of the year would be like the lighter, brighter times during the summer. So the word Samhain, comes from the combining of Sam or Saura, which means summer, and Fwin, which is the end or set. So Samhain is literally the festival to mark summer's end. And uh, Samhain is still used today in Irish uh, for November. So we kind of, we still have it in there a little bit. Yeah, so we use that for uh, November, isn't it, Steve Samhain? Yeah, yeah, it is. And then we also use other things like uh, Nullug is kind of our Christmas. We use that for December. So some of the months are quite literal. This, like, yeah. this, like, this thing happens in this month. Um, <laughs> so what you're saying is the year 2020 in Irish is going to be called COVID? Sure, why not? <laughs> so, yeah, so what did the Celts do uh, on Samhain? So it was a fire festival uh, where large bonfires were lit and everyone celebrated the end of the harvest. So uh, Druids would actually travel around the country to these festivals uh, and the old fires were extinguished. And the Druids were like new ones. So it was kind of a, a ceremonial, kind of like uh, symbolic. This is the end of, of one year and we're going into the next. So all the old fires were put out and the Druids specifically would light new ones, which is kind of cool in, in a way. Uh, many great meetings uh, were held during this time uh, for the great Celtic chieftains. And uh, I couldn't find a lot of evidence for this, but some people believe that uh, armistices were declared for the winter period 
So basically it's like, look, it's going to be too cold. We're all kind of struggling, making sure that we get through the winter. Let's just not have a war during this time and we can get back to it once it's nice and warm in the spring. I mean, you might you might as well, Stu. I mean, you can keep fighting. In a, in look, a I mean, it's a clever way of doing it. It's like no one wants to be out there in the cold. I mean, you know, it's like you, you can't invade Russia in the winter if everyone has an armistice until it's springtime. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Uh, so the Celts would also take stock of the year's harvest and start slaughtering cattle for the winter. So, you know, it's like it's getting colder, so you can kind of store the, the meat longer. So it was kind of the right time to kind of start stocking up on lovely fresh meat. So now we get to the spookier stuff. So the Celts believed that Halloween night was the time when the barrier between our world and the other worlds of spirits and, go- and gods was at its weakest. As such, the spirits of the dead could return home on this night to visit their families but other more terrible things would come through uh, to our world during this night too. Uh, so the Celts and later Irish people believed in the Aes Shi, uh, which were uh, the people of the mound is kind of the, the direct translation of that. So it's kind of a catch-all term for the many kinds of spirits and magical beings that inhabited uh, the world. So like fairies, pukas, banshees, leprechauns, they would have all been uh, considered Aes Shi and uh, spirits of one form or another. And so they were all thought to roam free uh, during the night of Halloween Obviously, we know that they were around other times as well, but this was like free roam. You get to do whatever you want. Obviously, Banshees kind of had a specific task most of the year, but it was kind of their night to go wild. Yeah, they're they're kind of it's like, oh, you've, you've done a hard job this year uh, killing people. It's more like, it's like, you know, you had a job to kill people, but now you can just kill people for fun, you know, just wander out and do what you like. It's just like, uh, you've had a, here, here's your, your one day off the year. You you don't, you have to do your job for fun, but you're not going to get paid. <laughs> well, yeah, but other times they're there to like signal the death of someone uh, and uh, yeah. call the coach. But this time it's just going out and killing them because they like it. Uh, yeah, so anyway. We uh, that in our, our first uh, podcast, Darby yeah. O'Gale. Yeah, so this is why the bonfires were lit and offerings of the harvest and animals were sacrificed at the bonfires. Uh, so, you know, it's like have a big fire, scare off the evil spirits and then if you needed to throw in a, a few bits of whatever you harvested that year and some animals uh, as a sacrifice to them as well to keep them appeased and keep everything happy. So uh, there was also kind of a, a secondary use for the bonfires as uh, people could also accidentally pass through into the other world on the night and become lost. So obviously since the barrier's down, if you wandered off into the woods and you disappeared, they'd assume that you would become lost in the other world and so the the bonfires were like this big shining beacon to bring you back if you wandered off yeah and I, bonfires are very much still part of halloween over here i think it's um there'd always be like a fire down at the end of the road um somewhere like in a field oh yeah it'd be great crack i mean it's a uh, it's kind of almost the irish tradition of uh getting rid of the crap you don't want to bring all the way to the dump we yeah, we used to have one um down the end of my road there's like a field so it's like right down i live in the kind of very top up by like a there's a train track on one side of it and then we go all the way down there's like a field at the end of it like a little dirt road and we used to always have like a bonfire down there and it was like it was grand because the parents would be there and the kids would go down and see it and it would just be like you'd um you'd have the people like for the week before it would be like maybe knocking on doors like you have any old wood or anything that oh yeah yeah that was it you want to burn because, uh, like, you, you get, like, a few old bits of wood off a fence, maybe, like, an old uh, chair or, or things like that. Um, like, I remember one year we went down there and it was like, it was, it was like, oh, no, there, there's a load. And there was a load of stuff down there, Stu. There was, like, a massive bonfire and there was, like, a small, uh, like, secondary bonfire over, over in the corner <laughs> for some reason. Uh, like, someone had an entire mattress that was that was there. Oh, God. Well. 
there was someone got like a shopping trolley full of wood and just put the shopping trolley in the <laughs> so that was and then it was just like people were like um it was, it's very close it's like little wooded area as well down by the the river shannon and people were like getting branches off the trees and like chucking them in there as well oh god and it was now it was fought it was like it was supervised it was certainly big but everyone was keeping their distance and you know the, the, the guy had like right, lived right next to it was just like i've got the the big hose ready to just like like fire it over the wall and it'll be fine he said i'd make sure it's put out and then one lad had the genius idea so i was putting throwing it a, a tin of beans oh god of, the of course and then that exploded of course <laughs> great idea lovely so everyone got was- some beans i suppose <laughs> like I mean, I suppose you could cook them over the bonfire, but like people were like making like the very American thing of like s'mores and and all that. But I think he, he had. Yeah, I don't think we did much real cooking over bonfires. No, I remember for for myself now, down the way there's a, a farmer's field, and like the older kids would like take charge and they'd go down and ask them if they could have the bonfire there every year. And so obviously we'd collect stuff up. And I think one year. Uh, it was like still kind of slightly uh, burning with like embers and whatnot the next day. So we're like, fuck it, let's keep it going. And uh, so, obviously <laughs> we, we, so we gathered a load more wood, but there's also a train tracks nearby. It's like defunct now, so it's not really used. But uh, we wandered down it a little bit looking for more wood. And what people had done, because they're like houses right, similar to your own house, Rob, where they're like houses yeah. like right uh, kind of to the back of, of the train tracks. And people had actually tossed over their, uh, their Christmas trees. And yeah, it was yeah. like they had been drying out for a year there was a, it was like a lovely October, so it wasn't really wet or anything. And it was like, we've just hit the mother load. We just had a load of fucking pine trees that we could toss into the fire. It was great. I do kind of remember as well that when I was a bit younger, that I've always like, we'd, we'd like drive us kind of around town and like the sea, because like there used to be that. There'd be like our local, every kind of area would have like their own kind of bonfire, like every housing estate or part of the Oh, yeah, definitely. were from wood. And you'd, some of them would be like, massive and unsafe and you'd, you'd but you'd want to go and see them from like a distance like we used to go to the one out and just over the the border into clear out and shannon banks they used to have a nice one because they, they were right down next to the river and it was just like they were like they'd just get like a bucket full of water if it, it was starting to get out of hand like from the river and just start chucking them on and it was fine like but uh i I'm, I'm trying to think like i know there was one out in a little bit further out, I can't think of where, and we got there, and it was about ten feet high. Oh, it God. was like Jesus, and it was like we. He was like, "No, we're not getting out of the car. Like we can, we can look through the window." And it was just like it was massive, and we're like, "He was saying like, what the hell happened there?" It's like, "Well, someone burned out a car, and everyone thought it was the bonfire." <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, oh, of course, oh, gosh, of course, we did that, that here. Was, but it's uh, I, even I guess my parents, pretty much their overwhelming thing was it's. Um, Trigger feeding wasn't really a thing in Ireland at the time. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that towards the but, end. But, cer- but certainly, like, but certainly, like what I was asking, I was like, going to bonfires was certainly a big part of Halloween uh, when they were kind of growing up as well. And it's it still is. It's, it's I suppose it's a very Irish and maybe kind of a English and British thing as well. Although they have their own uh, bonfire night. Well, they've got Fox Night, yeah. which we don't celebrate because it's burning an effigy of a Catholic, and it's like that might be quite offensive to us. So if we don't celebrate because he didn't get the job done, yeah, if he did, you know, we'd, <laughs> yeah, oh, then we we he'd be a national hero. We'd be talking about him on this podcast. <laughs> anyway, we'll get back to the story and, and we'll continue our chat of our memories at the end. So the ancient Celts would also actually dress up in costumes, similar to the way we do now, as a way of warding off the evil spirits. And uh, ensuring they weren't recognized by anyone uh, who uh, might have wished them harm. So, you know, if they had a 
an enemy or something. It's like, oh, he might come back and try to off me on this night. So I'm going to dress up as someone else or something else to keep myself hidden. So you kind of see where some of the traditions that we still have now kind of came from so far back, which is great to see. Yeah, it's just like, uh, who are you? Oh, I am uh, this uh, magical being from far, far away. But it happened a very long time ago. I'm looking for my estranged children, but I'm immensely powerful and evil with this magical glowing sword. I have no idea where you're going with this, Rob. I was just doing Star Wars. I was like saying I was Darth Vader. Oh, right. There we go. <laughs> it's, it's just like if you, if you travel back and died like that, that like part of Irish history, you did. And he's like, oh, I'm a Shanachy. Like I'm a storyteller. So tell us one. Well, I will tell you a story about a, a ship, a boat. You mean, yes, a boat. And it went out and it got lost in a place far away. They called it the Boat Voyager. And it was laid. Oh, God. <laughs> Rob, this weird f- fan fiction of yours isn't going to go anywhere. Well, I started up my, my, my side podcast, which is <laughs> ripping off this. In their homes, the Celts would play various games, uh, which they used to tell uh, the future. So given that the, the barrier to the other world was uh, open, they thought that the, there would be a chance that some of the magic kind of spilling through would kind of, they'd be able to, to harness it in some way to foretell things like marriages and deaths and stuff. So like bobbing up for apples is one of the few Celtic rituals that uh, has continued on to this day. You know, we all used to have the basin of water and a few apples in. You have to pick it out with your teeth. Which was... that, that, that's a, that's, I, think, I think we mentioned that last week as well. It's apples are like, um, it's like a harvest kind of festival. Well, sorry, it's not a harvest festival thing, but you, you, would, you would have still had apples at that point in the year. And they play a part, I think, like bobbing for apples, which is kind of something you see in America as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, um, like the, the thing about it is that they, the Celts would say you had to have all of the apples picked because on Halloween night, the the puka would go around and spit on any apples that were still on the trees and they'd rot immediately. There's um, a tradition as well in Scotland, if I remember correctly, where what they do is they actually peel apples and you can like peel it in like a decorative way, but I think the idea is is that you you peel the apple like in kind of a, just normal kind of like long strands. You, you throw it over your shoulder, and whatever way it falls on the ground will be the first initial of your your husband or wife's future name. Oh right! So Actually, that just so reminded me of what we used to do with the uh, the apple stem. Do you ever remember that where you you twist off the stem and you do a letter for every twist? Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. I forgot like that, about that. In fairness, that could be part of, of an ancient Celtic tra- tradition because I just that popped into my head there is something we used to do. So you'd you'd hold on to the stem and you'd twist the apple uh, to get the stem off. And uh, every twist, you said, you know, A, B, C, and whatever uh, letter the stem came off on was supposed to be, uh, was it like the, the first initial of... Your future it's, it's like bride the or husband, name, I thought. yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, I think I think the other game we mentioned as well is about the the, the money in the apples. I think we should probably talk about that because I don't think anyone outside of Ireland is. <laughs> well, so look, I mean, what else you got to store in your apples? So, so basically, you we, we always used to play this in like a door frame. So, like you'd open the door, you'd like put a nail. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both, 
in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. On the top of the doorframe, get like a long bit of string and you'd like suspend an apple uh, in the doorframe. The idea is that you put like uh, like pound coins or later euros. I don't think I was playing this ever played this with euros to be honest. Um, into like the side of it, and like, you put your you tie your hands behind your back, and you, it is like it's it's kind of like you know that whole like you're trying to bite the apple, but you're trying to like bite the apple, like take out one of the the, the coins in your mouth, and then you get to keep it. Like when you're like six, and it's like oh, oh yeah, it's a lot of money. So you agree? It's like this is a pound coin. I can go to the shop and I can get whatever I want. It's like this is the biggest amount of money in the world, as far as you're concerned. Then. Yeah, so that was like one, and then like you do bobbing for apples as well. Um, I'm trying to think of any other kind of ones we'd we sort of played to. I mean, you do like kind of blindfolded kind of ones, you know, like the, the not pin the tail of the donkey, but like you was wondering where someone is like blindfolded. Is it blindman's buff? You know, where you're blindfolded and you have to try and find yeah, that kind of the kind of Marco Polo type thing. Yeah, yeah, that was we used to play that as well. It was like it was like kind of hide and go seek thing in the dark as well used to play it at one of my mates houses um because he'd be a bigger house where there's actually more hiding spaces so it was like that like the lights would go out and you'd all have to hide and then when they went on again like the, the person who was like the seeker would go out and try and find you but it was also kind of hard oh like, yeah, you yeah. To, you, but you think is you had to hide in the dark across the house and it was like jesus it was uh in retrospect that was incredibly dangerous it's <laughs> <laughs> like you were going like you, know, you didn't know what i was like, you were going upstairs and stuff and like all the lights had to be out for it to work properly there's like i i think someone did fall down the stairs and like probably the walk into doors and things so i don't think you'd be playing that game anymore yeah look we weren't always the smartest kids but we made it through um there's also the game wherever the game we invented in college uh weeping angels <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my god! Like this was. Um, I I don't think. Uh, I don't think I could actually tell many that people. Story. Uh, no, no. I think it's just that you kind of need the context of watching Doctor Who. So we might uh, we might skip that one and get back to the story. We we, we, we might, but if you if you want if you want us to tell that story in another podcast, we'll do an funny. AMA at some point or something, <laughs> and someone could bring it up. So uh, another thing that we still do today is uh, Baron Brack. Yes, so it's, it's, it's kind a of a tradition. It's, it's like a loaf of bread with like raisins and sultanas in it. And uh, what they do is they bake in uh, a little wrapped, uh, well, quote unquote, gold ring. Um, Thonya, as they would say in Irish. Yeah. And so uh, it's sliced up and everyone gets a slice. And whoever gets the slice uh, with the ring in it is supposed to be the one to get married next. So see what I mean? Like they're kind of trying to foretell who's going to get married with this random chance finding the ring in a... In a a slice of bread. Yeah, no, it was very popular. Like we used to do. One of my teachers used to do bring in some of them in in, in school, and I think it was like generally she bring like three full ones for the entire class, and she'd have like three rings, and it was like very nice of her, like made herself. Um, oh yeah, very nice. And uh, we'd all have that. I think if, if you got like the ring, you 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 got like no homework that night. I think was the idea. <laughs> so Pete, then I think it broke down because like someone, one of the lads was like trying to buy multiple, like was trying to buy the three rings because he brought in, like, five, <laughs> he brought in like five pounds, and he was just like, no, no, I like, basically have. If they give me the three rings, I get three lights off homework. 
<laughs> it was like, oh, that he's that man is smart. Like, I mean, fair play. I mean, he's a businessman now. <laughs> you say that, Rob, but it would probably be cheaper to buy your own barn brack and just get the ring out of that one. Yeah, I, I think maybe if he thought about like um, manufacturing, getting like a bunch of the cheap rings, because like, they're not really expensive rings, not like gold rings, just like the, the Oh, no, they're the ones that turn more green. Well, no, they, they're metal, but they're the ones that uh, it's like, what is, not copper, but you know, they turn blue or they turn your fingers green, I should say. Yeah. But it's it's a nice tradition. Like I mean, we pretty much always have Baron Brack in this house and around Halloween. Yeah, as like it, then, it's like at this point, it's just like it, it just more because it's something you kind of always do. It is like a tradition. I mean, you just have a bit of crack with it. Yeah. The, then the big question really is how did Samhain, as it was in Celtic times, become Halloween that we know today? So it really started with the ancient Romans, those dastardly bastards. Uh, they had their own version of a festival for the dead called Lemuria. Uh, which actually took place on the 13th of May. But then, uh, so what they did for that was uh, they would appease the spirits of the dead by pouring milk on their graves and sometimes leaving cakes as well. So uh, really a different kind of tradition to what we had. Uh, But when the Catholic Church kind of grew to power and started to co-opt the old pagan festivals, uh, they changed Lemuria and made it All Saints Day in uh, 609 under Pope Boniface IV. Great name. Because, you know, had to say it because what a lovely name, Boniface. I mean, some of the old Pope names do. I mean, you've got like Urban, Innocent, several Bonifaces as well. Formosus, of course, which is the, the, from the famous uh, Cadaver Synod. Uh, you should look that up. There's a there's an Irish YouTuber called uh, Quixer who has a video about that. I would highly recommend. Oh, right. That sounds a bit uh, weird, but... Oh, it's basically, uh, Formosus was, was a Pope. He was the only Pope Formosus. And then he died. And then his successor as pope basically put his corpse on trial all oh, right and then um you'd be surprised to hear he didn't uh for most wasn't successful at the trial where he was unable to respond although to to, to i mean to, to the other, i think i remember the other pope i think we have been pope julian i think he did appoint a cardinal to sit behind the the, the corpse of Formosus to answer the questions on his behalf oh, the answers were, yes i did it i do it again but robert you need a jury of his peers so do you get dig up another bunch of uh dead popes to I mean, I mean, the, the, I mean, there are two popes at the moment. Well, there's two Catholic popes at the moment. There is, of course, the Coptic pope, uh, which is a different kettle of fish. But anyway, yeah, yeah it's been but a bit anyway, mess. it's it's a great story. But uh, <laughs> right, great old, great great old papal names. Uh, they're all good there. Right. So, so this was the day anyway to celebrate the Christian saints and martyrs. Then, in the eighth century, Pope Gregory the Third, seeing that the Irish people still celebrated the pagan festival of Samhain. Uh, moved All Saints Day to the first of November, which it still uh, is, and it, it's a it's a holy day of obligation, I believe, in this country. We used to get it off school, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Uh, so there were many parallels between the two festivals, and he hoped that uh, the celebration of Samhain would kind of fade away over time, and uh, people would kind of just start uh, celebrating All Saints Day instead. I mean, I, I think there's the country definitely became very Catholic. Uh, it's fair to yeah. say that, but. Um, I think some of the old traditions still kind of remained. I mean, we still, I mean, the whole thing is about like, you know, how it's, you see kind of in a lot of parts of the world where sometimes Christianity co-ops some of the local kind of belief systems into it. Um, Like you see it with some of the more uh, like Southern Baptist churches, like in historically black congregations where they kind of, they're kind of you know, as the more kind of singing and dancing ones because they co-opt some of the things from um, African culture. That kind yeah, of they hold on to some part of their culture. Yeah, exactly. Even so while it's more of it same, is same way over here, while you can kind of still be a good Christian and you're not doing pagan things, but you're just kind of doing it in a different way. But you've yeah. Christianized it. I think is the whole thing. 
Yeah, not I mean, a, like not, we, an antro- not an anthropologist, but something like that. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of pagan traditions that are somehow now Christian. Anyway, so over time, the, uh, the day became more commonly known as All Hallows Day, making the day before, being October 31st, All Hallows Evening, or All Hallows Eve, and then it was finally shortened again until it became Halloween that we know the name of it now. Whenever I hear like Hallow's Eve, I, I just think of, you know, in the original series of Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, the, the yeah. superior one, where it's like how they Halloween is like their Christmas. Oh, yeah. It's like, have a jolly, jolly, jolly Hallow's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just got that stuck in my head now. Good for you. Uh, so as time went on, the traditions of uh, momming started up again. So where groups of uh, people would go around dressed up, singing and dancing to kind of earn food. Uh, from the houses that they went to. So like similar to carol singing for Christmas, but uh, for this one specifically, they'd do a bit of dress up as well into various costumes, obviously kind of spooky spirits and whatnot. And uh, those who gave food uh, were said to be blessed with good fortune, while those who didn't uh, would have bad luck for the year. Uh, Mm. So you can kind of see where trick or treat kind of came in there. Like it it wasn't like formalized as trick or treat then, but uh, it's kind of the, the basis for it. It's kind of, I suppose, the, the the dominant kind of thing. Now, it's it's really more of an American thing. I I think it was kind of perceived that like we did do this in this country. Like I I I did when I was younger. Um, I assume you did as well, Stu. Yeah, yeah, of course. Rating. Um, but like, I wouldn't really have been a thing with our parents. It was like definitely an American thing at that point. But it, it wasn't. Yeah, I think really for, done over here as far from as, my own sure questioning. Really here. From my own questioning of my parents, they kind of seem to say that it was kind of American movies that kind of. Yeah, brought the trick or treating into Ireland. I think my father said to me it was like the the first Halloween film, the horror the horror film by John Carpenter was probably the first real kind of exposure they had to it. Is what he yeah, said I'd say that me. would probably be one of the earliest. Um, but it you know it, it, I don't know really at what point it became a thing in Ireland. I th- I would go as far as saying probably the late eighties, early nineties. It from what I can see, it, it were again really kind of widespread. Yeah. Uh, so um, then, but you- it's. Sorry, I was, I was just going to say something else about it because I've actually gone trick or treating in the the US. So I was going to do. Some oh right, yeah. Well, like we'll we'll have a, a big discussion at the end about the kind of Grant, our experiences to, and stuff. I, I wasn't I wasn't sure to put that. In. I have another thing as well. Um, I'll do with you at the end. But I, I yeah, perfect. So that's great. So we'll get to them. That's fine. Yeah. So young people later decided uh, that they should take the bad luck into their own hands, and so would start oh, no. causing uh, a bit of mischief. Things like egging houses, which still happen today, uh, breaking windows, <laughs> uh, smashing light bulbs, and uh, one of the greatest pranks. Light bulbs. What yeah, the hell? because they could. And uh, one of the greatest pranks that I've ever heard from a bunch of, like, I assume teenagers, is that uh, in the middle of the night they would disassemble someone's wagon, bring it up onto a roof, and rebuild it. <laughs> Like, that's fantastic. I mean, that's obviously brilliant. we can't do that now with a fucking car. But, like, just imagine having the ability to, like, take apart an entire wagon, bring it up onto a roof and put it back together. The person coming up in the morning is like, where the fuck's the wagon? Turn around and there it is on the roof. I'm sure Please. you could. I'm sure you could do it with a car if you had long enough. I don't think a roof would be able to hold a car. Depends what kind of car and what kind of roofs do. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it's theoretically possible if you, if the circumstances are correct. Uh, I'll leave you to, you can work on that for next week, Rob. That's your homework is to figure out if you can get a car onto a roof. <laughs> where, where is Rob? Uh, that's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, mean, look, this is Limerick. I mean, we're famed for having dogs on roofs, but not so much cars. <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, the, the whole kind of uh, trick thing as well. It's like... Um, 
Um, like egging houses, I suppose, was something you'd see. I don't, I don't think you're, I really don't see it as much anymore. I don't need to throw eggs off buses now. It isn't really. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of that. I, I know, uh, like, uh, maybe not this year, but around the college, there'd normally be a, a couple of dickheads who drive around and egg people from their car and stuff. I remember, like, they we were going into town to like, go out for a few drinks and Halloween again our costumes and like these shower of you know what's were like driving around and they egg the probably bus can stop. curse on this podcast I mark it not safe for work every week perfect so these shower <laughs> pricks uh, just I've already sworn anyway so it's fine these shower pricks like we're going and they egg um, the bus I think I'm getting like one of our mates in the face and he had to go home and take a shower because like he got oh, like, God. a shock off it and you know the thing was anyway the. I think someone must have got, there's like a grad student there who wasn't going out, he was just trying to get home. And he's like, I think he got like, he managed to grab their license plate because they didn't think to cover it. Yeah. So and then the best thing was that they had the genius idea of trying to do another drive-by. And basically they did, they, so they, they came back around um, and they were, we, we saw it, that's the same fucking car. And Raz just said, I'll take care of him. He just runs out in the front of the road, like in front, stands in front of them. And they're like, Oh, they're not going to run him down. And then next thing, like two of the lads from security there start going over to the car and they realize they reverse off and are trying to get away. Next thing, the guard of car, one of them, McCall, just comes down the road and sees what the hell is going on here, lads. And then they got caught. And that was pretty funny. And we like went, went by them in the pause and were like giving them the finger and everything else and laughing at them. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right. Uh, so Halloween really didn't kind of become what it is today until people started moving to North America, as you might imagine. Mm. So, you know, it was kind of the, the original colonies that started there. Obviously, like the Puritans wouldn't have been celebrating anything like that. Uh, but oh, the yeah, other kind of the other people they banned Christmas as well. Still. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, they were a bit naughty. But the other people going there would have kind of had, you know, all Hallows Eve kind of celebrations and stuff. But it was still kind of fairly, you know, under the radar. It wasn't what it, what it could have been, or what it is now. Uh, it wouldn't really take off until the Irish famine. So when many Irish families uh, moved to the states to save their lives, really. Um, and obviously they brought over their traditions and in the small kind of boroughs and neighborhoods that they were all stuffed into, they'd uh, start celebrating Samhain uh, on October 31st. And so then it kind of, it it got noticed and it started to spread and more people started doing it. And then it just kind of hit the mainstream and became something that everyone does. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's kind of how it is. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, it's just like we were saying even earlier, like it's just such an American thing, like trick or treating and the whole kind of what most people kind of think about Halloween with like the you know kind of pumpkins, trick or treating, ghost stories, and all that. It's it comes from like Celtic kind of roots and all that, but it's very much the way it's been packaged together and commercialized is very kind of an American thing. It's almost I wouldn't like, even blame America per se. I would say it's more of a, a capitalist. Once the uh, once the big companies realized that they could make a lot of money suppose, off of it, yeah. that's kind of when it became. I see your point, but I, I think it, it, it's kind of like we saw when the trick or treat going to start here. It's almost like they took kind of our cultural ideas, did their own thing, commercialized and then sold it back to us. It's like you kind of see it and getting at it's like we're doing the thing because we think Americans do it, and there's oh that must be the cool thing to do, but it's based on our traditions, so it's kind of yeah. I mean, a look, circle, a circle, if you will. I mean, it happens a lot, you know. I mean, they have St. Patrick's Day parades there as well, but I mean, at the same time, it is kind of we I mean, brought it there, and it it's good that. They did invent the St. Patrick's Day parade in New York, Stu. I mean, we. I know, but as in the, the <laughs> as in having a day for St. Patrick, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, but look, I mean, it, it 
exactly. I think it's better that it that it is celebrated in some way uh, rather than not at all. But uh, uh, funnily enough, you did mention uh, pumpkins, so I have yes. a bit of a, a ghost story for you now. Ooh. So another well-known part of Halloween is the lantern. Uh, it's not entirely known when people kind of started carving them, uh, specifically for Halloween. I mean, because obviously they kind of rot and then they're gone. Um, but we know that during the 19th century, they were carving turnips uh, with grotesque faces and popping a candle in the mouth. So one yeah. thing I noticed on Wikipedia, and so I might as well uh, point out, is that a turnip is a rutabaga for any American listeners who might not know what a turnip is. Never I have heard no idea. Version in my life. Rut- I think I've heard it on, it on some TV shows and stuff, but just oh, I think there yeah. is a, a difference in the in wording. Programs. Yeah, yeah, I think anyway. there's a difference in the wording. So just so that everyone's on the same page, this would have been another way for us to, to ward off evil spirits. You know, you have a spooky lantern with a light in the mouth. Um, but do you know why they're called jack-o'-lanterns, Rob? Um, I, is it some fella called Jack? It is. Uh, specifically, an Irish fella called Jack. Irish fella called Jack. Is it Jack Mack? You know. <laughs> no, I believe he's probably fictional. So uh, the Jack, which Jack of the Lan- Jack O'Lantern uh, gets its name from, uh, is part of an old Irish story. It's probably kind of similar to one of the, the Brothers Grimm stories, uh, yeah. more than being any actual person that ever existed. It's just kind of a parable to kind of scare kids off from doing bold things as uh, parents are wont to do. So uh, he went by many names, including Stingy Jack, Jack the Smith, <laughs> Drunk Jack, and flaky Jack. This sounds very Irish. Jack the yeah, Flake. So, yeah, so you're kind of getting a, a picture of what the, this uh, this band was like. So the, the Wikipedia article that I found some of the information on uh, did say Stingy Jack was his name. So we'll go with that from here. Uh, so he was an Irish man from an unnamed village. Uh, and of course, he was a very big drunk. Good man. Yeah, no surprise there. I mean, look, uh, he was well known as a drunk, as well as being a con man and just a fairly shy person. Uh, so no one really liked him and he was kind of tricking people out of money and stuff all the time. Uh, so the story goes that the devil heard about the evil of Stingy Jack and he was quite impressed. So he was like, oh, this guy, he seems like a, a great man for coming down here. Uh, so he decided that he wanted to go and meet Jack for himself. Uh, so while wandering uh, drunk through the Irish countryside, Jack came upon a body with a horrifying face. He immediately knew that it was Satan himself come to collect his soul for all the terrible things that he'd done in his life. So, you know, what everyone would do when meeting the devil. <laughs> so uh, he begged Satan for a last wish, uh, which was uh, to go and have a few points before being carted off to hell, which, As you know, I think, yeah, we'd all we'd all want the same, especially to have a point with Satan himself. Uh, so the songs there, Satan, oh, I know of you. <laughs> get out the old golden fiddle. Uh, so the devil obliged and the two went uh, to get pissed. Uh, when they had drank their fill, Jack asked Satan to settle the bill, which was very on brand for Stingy Jack, uh, but Satan had no money. So Jack convinced him to turn into a silver coin, uh, which he could use to pay. So the, once Satan turned into the silver coin, Jack stuck the coin in his pocket where he had been keeping a crucifix to hold the devil. <laughs> so he has him trapped now in his pocket. So Jack was then able to make a deal with Satan uh, for freeing him Jack would get 10 more years of life. Okay. So, you know, not a bad deal. He's just tricked Satan, turned him into a, a little coin and uh, caught him with a crucifix. And now he gets 10 more years to live. So 10 years later, Satan came back for Jack's soul. Uh, before leaving for hell, Jack once again asked uh, for one last thing. Uh, he wanted an apple because he was very hungry. 
So for some reason, Satan agreed uh, to the request and climbed up an apple tree to get one for him. Jack used this opportunity to surround the tree with crucifixes and trap Satan <laughs> yet again. Like the man's somehow a genius. Like, he just has, has a way with Satan. Uh, this time, Satan's going like, well, you're not going to the pub again. It's like, oh, I just want an apple. All right, so it's a tree. I'll get it. No, you stay here. I'm going to get it. Like, oh, you're not going to cut. The, what are you going to do? Like, hide up the tree and make it. It's like, ah, crap. <laughs> yeah, just, just who brings a bunch of crucifixes with them everywhere? But he did anyway. Uh, if so this devil was after you, probably would too. <laughs> I suppose, in hindsight. Uh, so this time, Jack asked that in exchange for Satan's release, Jack would never be taken to hell. Uh, so Satan accepted, and so he returned to hell empty-handed. So, you know... Another uh, good one out of Stingy Jack himself. So many years later, uh, the wild lifestyle of Stingy Jack caught up with him and he passed away. Poor him. Uh, Jack prepared himself to be welcomed into heaven. uh, But at the pearly gates, he was stopped by Peter and brought before God himself. And don't even know what's real because God's in it. Uh, God told Jack that because of his evil ways and general drunkenness, he would not be allowed into heaven. So Jack then went to the gates of hell and begged to be let in. Satan, sticking to their agreement, would not let him enter. Uh, he did, however, give Jack one of the embers of hell. Uh, Jack then left to wander the world, uh, the words between, uh, holding the ember in a carved turnip and later became known as Jack of the Lantern. Ooh, that's a yeah, interesting. So I, did, I didn't know the full story. Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, it's like he, he's trying to get one up on Satan and then he kind of fucks himself over because he can neither go to heaven nor hell and is just kind of wandering in the limbo, I suppose, and in our world, kind of through the mists and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I think I think part of the story in some of them is like he's kind of like a will of the wisp. So you know, you kind of you'd see his his light out in the forests, and if you followed him, you'd meet a grizzly end or whatever. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That sounds very kind of um, grim in kind of a a way. Yeah, so it's kind of like you know, you you can't be getting you you can't be being me uh, stingy, and you can't be getting too drunk, or Satan will come for you, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, you can only imagine we we'd be need to be told in Ireland. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have for the story. So uh, I think we'll go through a bit of our own experiences, maybe our family members who might have had different experiences to us. For yeah, Halloween. I think I think like we kind of said there, going to bonfires as part of it. And we did trick or treat when I was younger because uh, I like have a younger brother and sister, so I'd, we'd kind of go with them, like our parent would be like down there. But yeah, yeah it was like we you'd, you'd, know, you'd always that it was a lot different. Try- you, you try and get like a load of houses like cause we always do like our road and then you'd be like going further down our estate and I think our record was like we hit 45 houses <laughs> and got sweet like, that was a good night but um, no I mean you you generally get like a lot lot of fruit um, unfortunately oh Sometimes of course you get, like, yeah, I mean, apples, but you get, you get like, like nuts as well yeah quite nuts common. is a big thing but you're forgetting the, the, the most important part of going trick or treating Rob and that is that back in the day we didn't have costume shops like we do now yeah, uh, neither could there. we order online. So uh, our costumes were improvised. Uh, black bin bags. Um, and uh, I think and you might find a witch's or... hat or something in Tesco. Yeah. Well, it was like, I remember like, it was, you'd, you'd get like, um, it was like a white sheet or something would be, and you'd be like a ghost. Oh yeah, the general like, ghost, yeah. Or you get like maybe some like face paint so you could do like a skull or, or something like that. Um maybe you could do like scars and they could do like green for like a frankenstein face or something like that was quite co- common but uh yeah, yeah but it's it, 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 fairly it rarely get like masks. basic 
remember they used to, well, he used to eventually like, they had the, the magic shop in Limerick, which was like this kind of costume shop and things like that, but it was mostly a costume shop. But you, you, you eventually like they got like really good masks, like really kind of good rubber prosthetic masks for like, you know, George Bush or whoever you're on at the time. And eventually we started going there and getting stuff, but that was more, you know, going to college yeah. kind of thing. But, uh, it was fun, but I mean, they weren't they weren't great costumes by by, by any any regard. Um, I'm pretty sure like I've gone as like a, a kind of a ghost, which is like a white sheet, or you know, just kind of like a black thing with like my face painted white. Just like literally had like a big my fa- like a massive coat for my father, and like just a white face. So it, it, you would just see my face. Yeah, I mean, like, we <laughs> probably we had the, the, the bare basics, but look, I mean, uh, we got the sweets out of it, so that was a uh, all we really wanted. That was, that was good. Um, so yeah, I, I did ask. And I did the same myself to to talk to your parents and maybe I don't have any grandparents, but you might be able to talk to yours just to see what the their generational experience with Halloween was. So you I mean, it was, to... from what my parents said, I guess I said earlier, but the, the bonfires trick-or-treating really wasn't a thing. They, they, my father said that they, when he was about finishing up in secondary school, he, he, I think he said one of his mates, like the first person to get like the Evil Dead film in Limerick. Oh, right. He, like he, he got it on a... a, 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 a must have been a video because it's like the early ish 80s like i don't know how any betamax or whatever it was and he used to was like terrified leaving the house because like even that isn't a terribly scary film but apparently this was the scariest thing any ever seen i love um, you know horror uh gets a lot more horror as you go yeah you so hadn't that, seen that it was, before that was kind of part of it really um you know, I, I I didn't really get a chance to talk to my either of my nanas, but uh, yeah, certainly from what they told me in the past, like it was pretty much you'd you'd have your barn back. Um, you might get yeah, some it was, nuts or maybe it was more of like a, a family it. celebration within the house, really. That's really what exactly she said. It was just you know her grandparents might come over, her aunties and uncles, and they'd do whatever. So yeah, it was just basically it was like barn back, and maybe if they were lucky, they might get a um see a few nuts or maybe a bit of chocolate and that was about it really i have to ask you though one thing that my dad did say that they used to do back when he was younger and we did it for a couple of years when i was a kid as well do you ever just have a random coconut no <laughs> i don't know what it is but for some reason a coconut was always part of the halloween tradition here uh i not that it, it was come up it was just I a was random thing like you know you'd crack it open and, and drink the the milk and whatnot but it was just a That's very strange thing cross before it was only a raheen thing so i don't know we didn't do it in court <laughs> i know it's just a it's it's a baker thing you know it's like the we we had the money for a whole coconut back in back in the day <laughs> it's just, just like in a scheme to have it's like you, you call it halloween traditions coconuts oh yeah, it's a limerick thing really Olympic <laughs> Corbin, i've never heard that's like oh not horribly it's a raheen thing oh, i see Right, so uh, I believe you have some kind of surprise for me. Yeah, well, I was, I was going to briefly say as well. I actually, before I do that part, it was I was over in New York. Um, oh, yes. a couple of years back, and we actually went to Washington D.C. Then, so I was actually in Washington D.C. during Halloween in America, and I just said I, I might just briefly talk about it because it, it, it's just a bit of an interesting story. Now, I wasn't going trick or treating myself because I was about fifteen at the time, and I was with my grandparents. But we were we were staying in this like. Um, sort of B&B kind of place. It was actually very, very nice. Um, in I think Adams Morgan is what it's called. So kind of a residentially kind of place in, in Washington, D.C. Um, or maybe a slightly outside, I'm not really too sure. But it was very 
stereotypical kind of American kind of a neighborhood, if you know what I mean. It was all like kind of, you know, uh, to bring up Sabrina again, but you know, like her kind of aunt's house in the original series, like it has kind of the the kind of windowed shapes and like the, the porch out the front and all that. Oh, yeah, the kind was, of the old kind of spookyish houses. You know what I mean? It was exactly like that. And they were all almost all white, painted white as well. And it was just like such a, a wonderful thing like, with like trees on the road and they were all like in a perfect line. And it was, it was, it was actually, this is like such a like American kind of Halloween thing. It's just like, this is so kind of perfect in a way. Um, and there was, I remember there was like a Japanese couple that were staying in the kind of B&B place as well. And like they had like a little, must have been about three or four little child. And he was delighted. He was looking forward to do like trick or treating here because it, it mustn't be like a thing in Japan. I, I don't think it is. But it, it, he was just like delighted. And he, I, I can't remember what he was. I think he was like a little ghost or something. But he was like properly done up with like the makeup and everything. And he had like one of the like this. It was almost bigger than him. Like this massive kind of jack o' lantern little. Uh, kind of plastic kind of container thing for like all the sweets and yeah. he was like jumping up and down like ready to go out there and then the the the, the owners actually were like oh it's like, a lot of the houses here will will do it they said you're it's supposed to have, they'd be more than happy to like see plenty of other kids like don't worry about it whatever he'd be more than welcome but he said like you should go down to the the, the local fire station there's one one at the corner they'll look after you and we were we went out for a walk and we saw them and it was just like jesus they had like the the fire engines out there like the like they had like um ghosts over the light so it was like um like a projection see, like what, no no it was it was like like a big sheet so like the ghosts like had these uh like flashing red eyes oh right the way they did it so it was actually really cool and they had like the, the big dog out there that went being like rubbing it and stuff and it was like dressed up as well and then they had these buckets full of sweets that they were just giving out to people and like they were, but they were taking like money for charity as well it was really nice and we we went out then for to get dinner and it was like in this kind of place was also a pub and there was a bunch of college students who were turned up dressed up as well and some of them were doing like really really good there was this one girl in particular who I remember she was dressed as Captain Crunch from like Americans might know this a bit better from like a this a cereal oh so yeah the, yeah the captain li- li- yeah. had had like the the massive hat had the big mustache on and even brought um like. She had a, a a box of the actual cereal with her because she's look at me. It's like it's like oh, it's it's that's very good. I mean, why did you bring the cereal? And she had like a bowl and milk and everything with her. I was like, I don't. Know, I just thought it'd be funny if people saw me eating it dressed as it. And I was like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then there was there was one guy that was dressed as OJ Simpson as well. Oh God! Oh <laughs> he was, no! He was he was African American, but I was like, oh, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> like, wait a minute, is that Justin Trudeau? <laughs> wasn't your father the prime minister of Canada <laughs> um so that was so that was that was kind of it but uh no i mean it was it was very it was kind of funny it was just like the most stereotypical thing i mean we ended up like going back and like the there was like these two women who were probably in about their 30s were running this place and they had like a lot of popcorn out and we were watching like videotapes of old Halloween films and they came down. That was also the first time I had candy corn, which I think is a very American Halloween thing. And it was yeah. that right. I think I've had it, it before. Very, very sugary from what I recall. Um, very hard candy as well. I didn't really, wasn't really a fan of it. Um, I had Kool-Aid as well for the first time, which was really overhyped. Um, not wasn't a fan of it myself. Hmm. But anyway, so anyways, Stu, you know, it would be great to one day as adults go over and uh, spend uh, Halloween in America, maybe like Salem or somewhere like that. 
Have a, It'd be interesting, actually. Yeah. See the real culture. Well, we'd have probably have a lot of culture shock, even though we see it on TV all the time. But yeah, um, dress up as like clowns, get some massive knives, you know, all the good stuff. <laughs> leprechauns, Robert. Leprechauns. <laughs> if you don't like it, you're racist. <laughs> right, go on. What's this surprise? So, so I, I come up with this little idea, Stu. Because uh, we're talking about here about Irish Halloween traditions, but there's other kind of Halloween traditions across the world. So what I have here, I have four different things that have Halloween across the world. However, one of them is not a tradition. So you have to try and guess which is the which is the odd one out, which isn't the Halloween tradition. All right, so the podcast is now a game show, right? Yeah. What do I win? Well, I, I just thought, because everything was like still like doing the report and everything else, I just thought I'd add in a little something. Well, that's fair enough. Yeah, you're right to so, do it. So I, 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 was so like, I get a car so, or... Um, you, you'll get a point whenever we can go back to the pub. How does that sound? Hooray, I'll accept it. <laughs> Grand. So, Steve, we, we have... Here, here, here are the four. I'll tell you where each of them is from as well. So, the first one is, it's a German tradition of hiding the knives on Halloween night. Um, generally viewed as because um, the spirits are obviously around and they might come in and use them. But it's also a double thing because the, the kind of shiny surfaces on the knives might trap the spirits in them. Um is it kind of another part of it as well so that's one of them um there is a tradition in austria uh, not australia where you leave all the lights in the house on on the 30th of october and you also leave out a snack and generally maybe a glass of milk or, or, or water as well for any spirits that get lost so you're kind of saying you can come into my house spirits and here's a bit of something to keep you going while you're looking to get back to the the other side um as it were um you have something in America then, generally around New England, but apparently it's also in Detroit as well. Um, it's Cabbage Night is what it's called, Stu. Um, I think Cabbage Night might be more of a New England name, where generally it's they get rotten cabbages or rotten fruit from like orchards or whatever, and then they pelt it on people. Um, not, not on like eggings, like, I guess, like that as well. But right. it, can, it can kind of include a bit of pranking as well and things like that, but it's... It has other names. Like Cabbage Night seems to be the one that's most popular in New England. And then finally, in a little town in Switzerland, it's a tradition to, um, I think it's in the town splits in two. And what they do is they get a bunch of pig's bladders and inflate them, put them on the end of sticks, and then beat each other with them. Right. So what do you think? And so one of these you made up, right? I, I'm just saying one of them isn't the Halloween tradition. Whether oh, I made right, it, right, right. From, right okay. whether, whether I made it up or I got it from somewhere else is entirely up to you. No, that's fair. Like, So it, it could be like a Christmas tradition or something weird like that. It could be. One of them isn't a Halloween tradition, I will say that. Right. So we had like further information. If you'd like further information on any of them, feel free to go ahead. I have it open in front of me. Oh, right. Um, I could just ask, on what day did these all take place? But that would be a little uh, cheating. It's all pretty much Halloween. Um, Halloween night or like, I think one of them, the, 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 the cabbage night thing, which was a mischief night as well. It can be, it occurs as late as the 4th of November in, it looks like kind of more Quebec is also popular in. So the rest of these are all pretty much on Halloween night, um, as far as I can see, or approximately then. Some of them are kind of related to All Saints Day as we talked about. So it's like Halloween night or All Saints Day, it's like the 30th of October, 1st of November, but right. around that time. Okay, so we have the German knife thing. Yep. Then the Austrian leaving the doors open, which just sounds like a bad idea in general. Well, no, it wasn't even the doors open. It's even the lights on and leaving out like snacks and stuff. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't know if they, I don't know if they leave the doors open. I can't imagine that's a good idea. I'm sure Austria is wonderful and crime free, but I, w- I wouldn't strictly recommend it. Um, right. And then you had the US with the rotten fruit throwing. And then... Rotten cabbages, rotten fruit doing and kind of other 
general pranks as well. And then Switzerland with uh, bladder balloons or whatever internal organ that was. It was a deflated pig's bladder. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm just going to guess that it's Switzerland. Okay. Yeah, that probably takes place. Well, it could take place at Halloween, but it might take place at another time. You are right. It's actually a New Year's Eve tradition in Switzerland, in a, in like one town in Switzerland. <sighs> yeah. It And I, I didn't make that up. That is actually true. It's like, I, I'll have to get the name of the town up again, but it's like, it is a New Year's Eve tradition that they beat each other with pig bladders. <laughs> don't, don't, I, I'm not sure if they still, if there's a vegan alternative to that now, but I presume. <laughs> that They're called balloons, Rob. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, that so was a complete they're... guess. I mean, it was like the others sounded yeah. like Halloween. Obviously, I've done a lot of Halloween research, not for other yeah. countries specifically, but uh, the others seemed like kind of Halloween type things that you might do. Yeah, the, the Cabbage Night, well, the Cabbage Night was just one of the names of it. Uh, it's like Devil's Night, um, Mischief Night, Trick Night, Corn Night, Mickey Night, Gate Night, Hell Night, Goosey Night. I just thought Cabbage Night was the funniest out of all of them. Uh, it's kind of just a general prank thing, but like it's like doorbell ditching and toilet papering are kind of where that comes from. But there's also like including setting fire to cars. And apparently in, in Detroit, the practice became so violent that uh, volunteers began organizing Angel's Night to keep an eye out for crimes. Um, up to 40,000 volunteers patrolled the city on Angel's Night. And this drastically reduced the Devil's Night in Detroit. So what you're saying is they basically have 40,000 Batmen running around the city as vigilantes beating the shit out of kids for... Well, they were literally lighting cars on fire. Yeah, of course. Like, I, I, I'd be signing up too, like... But yeah, it just sounds funny that way. It, it is. It's it's a bit mental. Um, like the Austrian thing. I, I don't see a name for it specifically. Um, but it's yeah, dead souls are saying they're welcome to come back. There's nothing here about leaving the doors open that I can see. No, maybe I added that in myself. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So there's there's don't hurt themselves is kind of it. But uh, that was that was it. I mean, I couldn't really find anything that was too crazy. Um. Really. So. Yeah, I, I just threw in the other one because I, I did a German project once about Christmas time uh, when I was in school and that came up as like a Christmas, New Year's Eve tradition that was just completely mental. And I was like, oh, I'm putting that in there. And I just never forgotten it since. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think that's a, a good overview of crazy things in world Halloween there, Stu. Yeah, uh, I suppose that will bring us to the end of the show. So next week, we're going to be watching the movie Far and Away from 1992 with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman where I have been told that Tom Cruise does one of the worst Irish accents anyone has ever heard it's up there it really really is up there can't wait to see it oh god like I it's gotta be in the I would put this in the top five maybe the top three from what I can remember like it's like I gotta say like if his accent isn't as bad as I remember it as I probably haven't seen this in maybe about two years I'd be surprised. I mean, ooh. I definitely should do like, we should, like, as a writer, just do a ranking of my top. Oh, yeah, at the end of the year, we'll have to do a. We'll do that. But, a bit of a, um, an award ceremony. Oh, God, we should. But if I recall correctly, Stu, he has a horrific accent in it. But we're going to wait and see, aren't we? Oh, we will. <laughs> Uh, so play us out, Rob. Thanks very much, Steve. I hope you enjoyed today, guys. Um, like I said, we're still working on the whole recording this apart from each other and if hopefully there aren't as many technical issues and stuff like that but you know do give us feedback we think about the audio quality and things like that we are working as hard as we can to get something that sounds like we're kind of next to each other again so fingers crossed we can get that sorted as soon as possible but bear bear with us in one sense but at the same time let us know what you think about how that kind of sounds but if any of you um, are audio experts 
Yeah, we, 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 we're we working on that. Uh, <laughs> but as as always, if you've enjoyed this, uh, please do tell a friend. It's it's very important to, to do that. It's where we get a lot of traction. Um, share us on your social media accounts and everything else. We will try and use our Twitter account more again, um, I, I hope, um, is the important thing. But you can reach us on Twitter at uh, BlarneyPod. Um, you can also email us any ideas you have, any suggestions. We do read all of them at talkingblarneypod at gmail.com. And that's that's about it. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. It's goodbye from me. Slaw and we'll see you next week.